So this is the third of a three-part series. Um, so for any of you guys who, who have missed the first two, this is a bit like reading the last chapter of the book just to make sure the good guy wins. Okay. It will kind of make sense on its own, but you will be wondering what's going on. So don't worry about it. The other two um, are available. The audio is available online. So, so if you get a chance, do listen to them because um, um, it will make this make a bit more sense. I was thinking about this this morning. I'm thinking what we need to have, we need to have Oasis on demand. And then I thought, then we could have like Oasis plus one so that for those who didn't get up, we could have Oasis again like an hour later. It would be, it would be great. Um, so I'm kind of, it's a challenge for the technical guys there. We could do that. So we're looking uh, in this three-part series as, at the church as community. So there's a lot of descriptions of church in the Bible. Um, you know, it's a body, it's a family. There's lots of illustrations used of what church is. But also it's described as community. Uh, and those of, you, those of you who know Paula and I will know that community is something that's very close to our hearts. So we love this idea of church as community. And we've looked at three aspects of community. Well, two thus far, one this morning. And we saved the best bit till last. So, we looked at, first up, we looked at a church as a community looking outwards. So, how do we as a community reach out to those around us? How do we as a community draw others in towards us? And you remember, we looked at the fruit of the Spirit and how the fruit of the Spirit are critical to our ability to reach out and draw those others in around us. Then the second week, we looked at a community looking inwards. So that was, again, about how we care for one another as a community. And do you remember that critical scripture we looked at? By their love for one another will you know them. So the thing that will attract others to the church of Jesus Christ is the way that we love one another. And again, we looked at how those fruit are critical to the way that we love one another. So this week... It is a community looking forwards. So we're looking outwards, we're looking inwards, and we're looking forwards. And it'll be a relief to some of you and a disappointment to others of you to know that this morning I'm going to talk about sport. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, thank you, Paul. Paul just said, what do I know about sport? Answer, very little. So that's good because that also means it's going to be a short preach, which is good. <laughs> Okay. Okay. But I thought before we do, I, I, I just need to say for those of you who missed the first one, I, I'm, I'm quite a sort of kinetic learner, so I, I tend to learn by doing things. So this isn't going to be about me standing up pontificating. Um, I love people to be involved, um, so don't get too comfortable. Um, and if you disagree with anything I say, let me know. If you agree with anything I say, let me know. So it's, it's quite a warm morning, so let's not all doze off, but it's good. Bit of interaction. So let's think about some of the communities that we as individuals interact with. Can anyone kind of shout out, you know, the different communities we interact with? Thank you. Essex Symphony Orchestra. Neighbours. Everybody needs them. Schools, community centres, yeah. Work, yep. Leisure centres. Food bank, yep. Brilliant. Let's see, there's, there's, we all interact with loads of different communities. 
But as I thought about this, and, and, and I think I got most of those down, um, most of those communities exist for a period of time. So they, they come into being, and they are for a period of time, and then they, and then they end. Where, where we live um, in our community is, is quite interesting, because our, our house was built, uh, and it's an ex-council house, so they were all built in 1935. So there's a few people who have lived in those houses since they were new. But those people are gradually passing on. And that community, that long-established community, is fading away. But then there's another community of the next generation who've lived in those houses. And then there's a new community of, of people who've moved in since they went into housing association houses. And then there's another community of those who bought the houses. So there's all these different communities which, which exist for periods of time. And that's true of most of our communities. But you know, the one thing about the church as community is that it's eternal. We, thank you, we have a bright and a glorious future. And we're just about the only community that does. We are unique because we are headed for an eternity with Christ Jesus in glory. And if that's not attractive, what is? Thank you. Okay. So here comes the sport bit. Okay. Because the Bible talks about sport as well, which is good. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. And there's loads of scriptures in here, so if you want to look them up, that's fine. Um, but if you want copies of my notes afterwards, which have got all the scripture references in, so you can go back to them, that's, that's equally fine. Um, and I'll come on to notes at the end, that's fine. So 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. It's a very graphic description that Paul uses of the way that he behaves and the way that we are to behave. <clears throat> and the whole thing there about the, uh, the crown that fades, of course, is, is, is going back to the Olympics um, where the, the, the winner would be given a laurel wreath. And often when you see sports trophies now, they still have a kind of laurel wreath round it, and that's the history there. So those laurel leaves would dry up and die and fade. So that's, that's the context there. Um, so it wasn't a gold medal or a gold post box at that stage. It was a, it was a crown. Isn't that really sad? Have you seen that story about the gold post box in Essex? I think that's really sad. So they painted the gold po post box gold. And the post office have now said, oh, no, no, it's not official, so we're going to paint it red again. 
Oh, how sad is that? I, I, I tell you, if that was me and I lived there, I would want to buy a really big pot of gold paint. <laughs> and just see how often the post office were willing to paint it red again. I just... <laughs> it does make you wonder. Today. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but there's a lot in this passage, and I just want to unpack it a bit. The first thing, really, is, is about how hard do we work at our communities. You know, Paul talks about when an athlete goes into a race, he goes into rigorous training. And my, my sport background, I used to ski competitively when I was young and feckless. And, and, and I used to train really hard. Uh, and, and that training occupied most of my leisure time. Uh, and it was what I was really focused on. It's hard, hard work. But do we apply that same degree of rigor? Do we apply that same degree of determination to building our community? To building something that will last forever? Because I work really hard at training. Uh, and, and actually, now, time has moved on. And apart from some slightly creaky joints, most of that's gone. I'm not as fit as I was. I'm not able to physically do those things that I did do. But I invested a lot in that. But do I invest so much into something that I know is going to last forever? Hebrews 12, chapter 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I love that idea of being surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And of course, that is a, a picture again of heaven, where the multitudes and the multitudes are there. And that beautiful picture that Chris painted this morning of those multitudes praising and worshipping. And they're witnesses to what we're doing here on earth. They're witnesses to what is happening in the church here on earth. And you know, it's amazing when you're involved in sport and the crowd is there cheering you on. It really does make a difference to your performance. It makes a difference to what you can do. There's no logical explanation for it. There's no sort of spooky energy force that goes from the crowd into you and makes you run a bit faster. But it does make a difference. And if we can get hold of something, of being involved in that eternal perspective, of that huge crowd of witnesses saying, go on, you can do it. You can do this. I love what you're doing. It's beautiful we would have so much more energy and enthusiasm for what we're doing with church. And I love that idea of throwing stuff off. When, when I used to ski, one of the problems with skiing, of course, is it's in the winter and it's cold. And uh, when you're racing, you don't want to be wearing big baggy clothing. Um, so it's really thin and, and fairly stretchy, which is good because it means you can move, and fairly aerodynamic. But it's not very warm. So the problem is that when you're standing around before the start, you get cold and cramp is a big problem. 
and we had these fantastic things. I was going to put these on this morning, but there were three problems. Um, one, I thought it was slightly showing off. Two, um, they're getting a bit old and sad. And three is to do with my waistline, and we won't go there. <laughs> so these are like um, tracksuits. You see that you put on beforehand. But the brilliant thing is they're, they're Norwegian, actually. They're love, I love the name. They're called opvorming trousers. Um, which is great. So, so the idea is that you, you put them on to warm up. But the great thing with them is, is they've got these... I hope this works now. They've got these fantastic zips down the side. And in fact, they come in half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, so the, the whole thing... Oh, I'm in a real mess here. Look, the whole thing comes in half. And so you literally can. You can just, before the start, you can take them off, you can cast them aside, and you, you're good to go. And I love that idea of throwing things off. And I, and I thought, how far do I take this illustration this morning? And I decided that was probably far enough. Okay, so, but, but that is the idea that we have stuff that hinders us. We have stuff that weighs us down in what we are called to do eternally. And it's about finding that balance between being involved in the eternal perspective and being involved in the here and now, in the world now. Because we, you know, we all need to be involved in the world, but that can become all-consuming and we can lose that perspective of stuff. And the other thing that's in that Hebrews uh, verse is, is about perseverance. You know, we're in here for the long haul. I would love it if Christ returned tomorrow. Um, yeah, tomorrow would do. That'd be good. Because uh, I've got a nice lunch today. So that's... No, no. To, to, I mean, <laughs> to, 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 tomorrow would be good. Um, but actually, in reality, my reading of Scripture tells me that it's probably not going to be tomorrow. Maybe Tuesday, but not tomorrow. So we're in this for the long haul. We need to persevere. You know, one of the things that when you train... Your training goes in plateaus. So you're getting fitter, you're getting fitter, you're getting fitter. You can feel it's all happening, it's all working, it's great. And then you plateau. And then it doesn't matter how hard you work, you can't improve your times, you can't get any quicker, you can't run any further, you can't run any faster. You need to keep going, and then up it goes again. And then it plateaus. One of the things we used to do was um, altitude training. So we would go and we would find the highest mountain we could, um, which we could afford to get to more realistically, which was usually the Italian Alps, and we would go and train at high altitude. And the idea behind that is that the air is thinner, so there's less oxygen. So you're building up your lung-heart capacity with the thinner air. That is jolly hard work. I have to say, it really is a bit gruesome. But the fantastic thing is that when you come back down to sea level again, you feel like you can fly. You really do, because suddenly your heart-lung can get hold of all this oxygen that it couldn't get before, and you absolutely feel like you can... You know, it's, ama it's an amazing sensation. But to do it is just ongoing, hard, hard work. And I think we need to be... And this sounds like quite a heavy word this morning, which is not really what I wanted, but we need to accept that we're in this for the long haul. It's going to be hard work. 
And it's going to take us some time. It's not going to happen overnight. We live in a very instant world where things happen quickly. That's good. And God can move sovereignly and suddenly. But in terms of building his church, making her ready as a bride beautiful for his return, my view is, and it's only my view, that's going to take some time. But we're involved in that. It's, it's us, we are his church that is being made ready. So there's a sovereign act going on that he's doing something, but also we're involved. So when, I'm off my notes here. So when a bride is getting ready for her wedding, I, so I'm led to believe, because clearly I wasn't involved in this, but uh, she doesn't just sit there and it, and it happens. There's things that have to be done in terms of hair and makeup and, and all of those other things. That, that's an active thing. It has to be done. So we are involved in this. As we train, we will change. Now, I, I did my, my sport in the early 80s. And uh, who can tell me anything about gents' fashion in the early 80s? Not short. Sure. 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 I, I did, didn't do short shorts. It was winter. So, so, so trousers, and it's kind of going back that way again now. Trousers were really straight and really thin. So we'd had the big flares in the 70s. And then we went for really thin, really straight trousers. Now, my problem was that the more I trained, the bigger my legs became. Um, so I had ridiculous, stupid legs like tree trunks. And for a while, I literally could not find any trousers to fit. Not because they wouldn't go around the middle, but because they wouldn't go around the legs. Yeah, stretchy. Well, yeah, but you see, a lot of these stretchy things had not actually then been invented. <laughs> Because it was a long time ago. No, but it really. But as we, as we train, as we develop, as we focus on these things, we will change. In the same way that an athlete's physical body changes, our spiritual bodies, if you like, our spiritual personas, our spiritual understanding, our spiritual awareness, will change. And again, it's two questions. Are we, are we willing to change? And are we willing to be changed? And they're two questions that are really worth considering. My second point is, is how much in our day-to-day -day lives in our individual lives, in our corporate life, in our church life, do we emphasize the eternal perspective? How often do we talk about us being involved in something eternal? How often do, does that enter into our thinking? We had some, uh, some slightly barking friends, um, who, which is probably why they got on with us, really, but... <laughs> who used to have little notices uh, that they used to stick on things. And, and the idea was that it was to, to try and persuade them not to be too attached to their possessions. So when they bought a new car or something, they would stick a little notice on the dashboard that said, to be burnt in the fire. 
yeah, they were a bit odd. Okay. But the idea behind that was, you see, that, 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 that ultimately all things will be consumed and we will be in glory. And, and so the idea it was to remind them, and I'm not recommending that because they were a bit weird, to be honest. But it is, we can get so tangled up in the things of now that we lose sight of the things of eternity. We have a phrase in, Paula and I have a phrase, um, that, that when something goes wrong um, and, and, and it's all got a bit complicated, we kind of say, look, in the eternal scheme of things, does it really matter? You know, is it, is it really much of a wrinkle on God's plan? Probably not. And it just helps us sometimes, sometimes, not always, to get that perspective on things. It helps us to see that actually, yeah, now it's a crisis, now it's really tough, but actually in the eternal scheme of things, in God's plan, God knew that was going to happen, and actually God is still in his heaven. He's still waiting, longing to return. And it helps us sometimes just to keep that eternal perspective. You know, it fascinates me that some churches are so keen on doing social events. And it's, it, I mean, there's nothing wrong with social events. I think they're great. Well, unless they involve silly games. I'm not so good at them. But I, I, I think you know, social events are great. But there almost seems a fear of, of having a social event with a spiritual content. So we've been to things in the past. And we've said, well, why, why can't we pray? Oh, no, we can't pray. This is a social event. I'm thinking this is really odd um, because actually we are a community of eternity. We are a community in touch with Holy Spirit, in touch with Father. Surely we would be wanting to pray as part of that event. And my view is that actually most people who come along kind of expect that. Because why would you come along to something that you know has been organized by a church and have nothing to do with God? I mean, it's like going to a football match without a ball. It, it kind of becomes slightly pointless, if you see what I mean. You, you know, you might as well just go to your social club. And I, I, I don't quite know how this works, but I would love to get to a, to a place where that boundary between social and spiritual is, is, is broken down. So that it's fine to have a social event and to pray. It's fine to have a spiritual event and enjoy food together and, and do all that stuff so that there's not this great divide. Because then our whole lives are tied up with this role that we have, that this purpose we have to usher in the kingdom of God. Thank you. Because you know, everybody thinks about these questions at some time. When I'm preparing for these things, I, I love just typing random stuff into Google. I, I, I find it's a really good way of, of just feeling the pulse, finding out what people are thinking. And the problem with that is that now Google's got really smart. So my phone now gives me kind of news headlines based on what it thinks I'm interested in. 
which is based on what I've been searching on lately. So sometimes when I'm preparing these things, my news headlines get a bit peculiar. And it's even more strange because Paula and I share a Google account. So it's not only what I've been searching on, it's what Paula's been searching on. So our news headlines tend to be great. They're good, they're good fun. Um, so I, I searched in, I just typed into Google, what is the meaning of life? Because I thought, well, Google knows most things. Surely, surely it would know. And it's bound to know that. Anyone want to hazard a guess as to how many results I got? Let's do it in millions. 7, 75. Any advance on 75, 75, 75, 75? Anyone raise me? No, thank you. We won't do that. 394 million separate results on the meaning of life. That kind of tells me that people are pretty interested, that people probably want to know. Do you know what? We, the church, have got the answer. Wouldn't it be great if we were bold enough to share that at our social events? And I'm talking to me here, because I'm not great at this stuff we were bold enough to talk about it at our social events as we meet people in the co-op going up and down the road because actually when you start looking I didn't look at all 394 million but when you start looking at some of those of course the ones that are there are the most weird and wacky of course wouldn't it be great if we were able to give the true answer that doesn't have anything to do with aliens whatsoever. Because apparently quite a lot of life has to do with aliens, it seems. But wouldn't it be great? Because we all think about these questions at some point. We all have that wonder, what am I here for? What's this all about? Guys, we, the body of Christ, the church, have the answer. And it's an eternal answer it's not our three score years and ten and then it's lights out no it's an eternal answer and the other great thing is of course those questions are universal everyone's interested so we don't have to target specific groups we don't have to focus on specific areas everyone's interested in this stuff it's a question we all ask at some point. We may ask it in different ways and we may need the answer explained to us in different ways. But the basic question and the basic answer is the same for all of us. The other thing that's really interesting to ponder on, we talk about us being a community and a community looking forward. But what is it that we're looking forward to? Anyone who says lunch at this point is out of here. What is it that we're looking forward to? Any eternity? New bodies? Faith? Living in the presence of God all the time. Excellent. See, it's really good. That's great. That's fantastic. I was really worried we were going to get silence then, so thank you. That was brilliant. Well done, and some good answers. It, it's really good to articulate some of this stuff, to actually talk about 
glory, to talk about what it's going to be like. What is it going to be like when Jesus takes his rightful place on the throne? What's it going to be like when justice and mercy reign? What's it going to be like when there are no more suffering, no more tears? It's great to talk about that stuff. Now, the truth is, of course, that many of us, myself included, I don't really know the answer. So we, I don't want to get in here into a great long debate about eschatology and what it's going to be like, and is it pre-millennial, post-millennial, pan-millennial? I don't know. But it's good to explore that stuff. It's good to share about that stuff. It's good to encourage one another about that stuff so that we can get envisioned for what it could be like. So that we can get excited about what it is we're looking forward to. Because as we get excited about it, then that excitement will bubble over and we'll start sharing with other people about it. So let's be clear about where we're headed. Let's be clear about what the future holds for us as those who believe in Christ Jesus. Let's be clear about what the future is for the church, where she's going, what's she for. And I've just turned over two pages, which is probably good. Silly story to illustrate this. You know, actually, back to the, back to the uh, athlete example and Paul's example of the race. It's impossible to run a race unless you know where the finish line is. When we lived in Cyprus, we got involved in a, in a sailing race um, with the local um, army club. Um, so we were with the Greek sailing club and we got invited to join the army club for a race. There, they were racing, I don't know, it was probably about 10 miles away. Um, so Paula and I decided it would be a good idea to sail over there uh, to save having to tow the boat or whatever, which was fine, um, only we were late um, for all sorts of reasons, main which was a lack of wind. But So we arrived having missed the race briefing. So the race briefing kind of goes, look, you start here, you go three times round, and you finish there. Now, we'd missed all that, so we set off, not having a clue which way we were supposed to go, how many times we were supposed to go round, and in fact, where we were supposed to finish. Suffice to say, we did not win. (laughs) Now, encouragingly, we didn't lose either, which was quite bizarre. We seemed to be about halfway down the field, which was really odd, because the only choice we had was to follow someone else and hope that they knew where they were going. (laughs) We could not, even if we'd have wanted to or been able to, be in the front of that race because we wouldn't have known where to go or where to stop. We've got to be clear on where we're headed for. And that's what's so fantastic about the work that's going on at the moment, to explore the future of Oasis, to explore what Oasis can become, the whole strategy and planning and envisioning work. It gives us that picture, a bright and a glorious and a fantastic picture of what it is that God is calling Oasis Church to be. And as I thought about that, 
my heart was saying, yeah, and you know what I'd love to see is right through that. Like a, I've, I've been looking at legal documents this week to do with my work, uh, and through each of the pages, there's a, there's a watermark. And at the moment, that watermark says draft. Um, I'm looking forward to the day when that draft is removed and somebody's actually signed one of these documents. That'll be good. But I'd love there to be a watermark through everything that we do as we explore together that says kingdom, 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 kingdom on every page so that everything we do is focused firstly on bringing the kingdom of heaven here to earth. Secondly, on preparing the church for Christ's glorious return. I'm going to jump forward a bit. It's good to explore what that kingdom looks like. And there's some fantastic stories in the Bible that just give us insights of what that kingdom is like. Now, what I used to do to explore this is to go into Revelation, um, which is a vision of the kingdom of heaven. I've got to be honest, I find that quite confusing. When, when our son James was very little, he had a, a children's Bible, um, which was great. But it got to Revelation, and, and, and the entire book of Revelations was described as, this is a story of a man who had a dream of heaven. Full stop. And I thought, what a cop-out. That is just absolutely bottling out. But it is a, it's a really complicated book. And it's very visual, and it's very pictorial, and it's fantastic. But personally, I didn't find that the most helpful way to grasp the kingdom of heaven. What I found much more helpful is in Matthew's gospel... Well, and all the gospels, actually, but I've picked this one out of Matthew... Um, Jesus describes in stories what the kingdom of heaven is like. So they're called the kingdom parables, and they're in Matthew chapter 13 and the other Gospels. Uh, And I just want to pick up on one of these and just give us some practical kind of outworking of what this might look like. So Matthew 13, 44. And this is genius because Jesus manages to tell a whole story basically in one verse in one sentence, which is just genius teaching. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. And there's a number of these uh, kingdom parables and it's worth just reading them through and they give you some really interesting perspectives on what the kingdom's like but I just wanted to unpack some things of this one just to get us thinking a bit firstly what was he doing in a field what do you do in a field he was probably plowing or planting or harvesting or whatever but He was working in the field. So the kingdom of heaven is discovered through work. Now, you cannot bring in salvation by works. Please don't hear that. But actually, God has work for us to do. It's joyful work. 
It's exciting work, it's rewarding work, but it is work nonetheless. If you wanted to hide something in a field, where would you put it? Bury it. The only place to hide anything in a field, a field is by definition kind of a flat level space without many hiding places. So in order to find the treasure, he must have been groveling in the dirt. He must have been digging underground. And I think there's something in there for us as well, that we need to be willing to roll our sleeves up and get our hands dirty. It's messy work. It's a broken world. In order for us to be salt and light, as we have been asked to be in our communities, we need to be in amongst our communities. And our communities are messy, broken places. They're muddy. They're dirty. We will get our hands dirty. But that's where the kingdom is to be found. And then that extraordinary thing. He went and sold everything he owned to buy the field. And that's about how much value he placed on the treasure he had found. How much value do we place on the kingdom of God? How much value do we place on this community? How much value do we place on the communities in which God has put us? I'm talking to myself here. I'm intentionally saying we, because I've got a whole lot to learn on this. Now, those of you who've listened to the first two might be saying at this point, well, where does the fruit come in? Because we've been looking at, in the first two, the fruit of the Spirit, and I haven't heard much about that this time. Be encouraged, the fruit comes in here. Because it's only by being fruitful, fruitful being, full of fruit, that we can bring in this kingdom. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, are those things that God has placed within us for the bringing in of his kingdom. Can I have nine volunteers? It's not difficult stuff. It's all right. There's no silly games involved. Nine volunteers? Thank you very much. Now, you remember what we did last time last two times actually is to give out some fruit <coughs> and uh, there's no fruit this time one two three I've got a few more five thank you any more six thank you Roy come on seven thank you Pete two more well wonderful look at that well done thank you no no it's, it's all right we can share. That's good. Brilliant. Thank you. So if you remember, the first time what we did is we handed out some fruit and we all stood in a huddle. 
so that actually the fruit was in the middle of the huddle and nobody could see it. And we pointed out how useless it was having fruit unless we turned outwards so that other people could see it. The second time we had some fruit and we gave it away um, and encouraged people to keep on giving it away through the week um, because actually these gifts are for giving away, they're for building up the community, they're for developing the community. Thanks, Alan. So this time I'd like you to take one of these. No, it doesn't take... Well, at least not unless someone's been tampering with me envelopes. Brilliant. Thank you. Right, so each of those envelopes has got one of the fruit of the Spirit on it. Can you open your envelopes? So in the envelopes are some seeds. Well, actually, they're stones. They're, um... Sorry? And a fly. Oh, lovely. It's all right. He's been grilled. He's all right. (laughs) Um, They're actually plum stones um, because it was really... I I started off trying to do apple pips, and that was really difficult because you have to cut up an awful lot of apples to get any pips, and they're tiny. So we settled for plum stones, which is good because that means I get a a plum crumble, um, which is... is, (laughs) I tell you, sermon prep is really hard work. It's, it's really tough. So what I'd like you to do now is to take your fruit seeds, your plum stones, and give them to some other people. And the fly. So just go and give them to some other people. And as you do it, tell them what is on your envelope. Forbearance, it means sort of patience bearing with somebody when they're being kind to them. Thank you, guys. Don't, don't worry if you don't manage to give them all away because we've probably got more plums than we've got people. It's a big plum crumble. If anyone wants to come and share it, you're very welcome. It's, it's, it's good. Um, so what we're doing there, it's a bit of a symbolic act, but what we're doing there is we're pointing out that we're each carrying within us the seeds of the kingdom. And what we need to be doing is to sharing those with one another. And as we do that, We're investing in the future. So those seeds in themselves won't do anything. It's only when they're planted and cared for and nurtured that they will grow into trees that will bear fruit. So actually, we're investing in one another's future as a body, corporately, and we're investing in the kingdom bringing in the kingdom in our small part of God's eternal plan. Now, I kind of encouraged people last time to to do things with their fruit during the week. 
Um, and, and, and frankly, I'm a bit disappointed that nobody posted the lemon of love through my letterbox because I was, I was looking forward to that. But, but I just, just encourage you to pass on some of those seeds during the week with an encouraging message or an encouraging word or whatever and say, do you know what? The way that you demonstrate kindness speaks to me of the kingdom of God because... Do you know what? You're brilliant at love. And that speaks to me of the kingdom of God because... Do you know what? I really admire your patience because... And that speaks to me... And and in that way, we're building each other up and we're encouraging one another. And we're growing and we're developing the community of Oasis Church. And in doing that... We're bringing in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. So I'm looking forward to a load of plum stones traveling around Chelmsford next week. I think that would be great. Or pictures of plum stones or, or, or whatever. I think that would just be really quite fun. Um, I'm guessing the banana of faithfulness is probably a bit moldy by now. But if that's still doing the rounds, then, then that's fine. Keep that going. But I, I just think it would be good for us to be encouraging one another in this stuff to get that heavenly perspective. I need to bring this to a conclusion. You know, I love church. I, I really do. I'm, I'm passionate about church, as you may have gathered. But the truth is I'm not actually very good at it. Do you know, on a Sunday morning, I can usually think of a thousand and one other things I'd rather be doing. On a house group night, when it's cold and it's raining and there's something good on the telly and I've had a really bad day at work, I can usually think of a few other things I'd rather do than go to house group when there's a prayer meeting or a trustees meeting or there's a difficult pastoral issue that needs to be dealt with. I'm not great at that. But, thank you, you're such an encouragement. You really are. But I'm not, in truth. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I could just say a hearty amen to that, but I, actually I know that uh, would, there'd be a Pinocchio thing going on there. So... Um, <laughs> But what it is that makes me get out of bed on a Sunday morning, what it is that makes me get there, is the knowledge that it is church that is pivotal to God's plan for the world. It is church that is pivotal to ushering in his kingdom. It's not me as an individual. It's not Paul or I as a couple or Paul or I and James as a family. It is the church, corporate, that will bring in the kingdom of God. And that's what motivates me. That's what gets me out of bed, even when it's raining, even when there's something good on the telly, even when I've had a really bad day at work, which in truth at the moment is most days, but that's not... (laughs) not. So this week's challenge... Pass on the fruit, encourage one another. And the key verse, which we've talked about every week, about the centrality of the church, Ephesians 3.10. It was his intent, that's God's intent, 
that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So the church on earth is demonstrating the wisdom of God. And I love that manifold word because it's different. There's many different aspects of it. The whole thing about a manifold is it's got loads of different pipes that come into or go out of one pipe. So there's many different... I wanted to bring a manifold, but I couldn't... Uh, needed to go to a scrapyard or something, and I couldn't make that work. So, uh, but 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 a manifold. It's it's just just look for manifold on Google and look at the images, and it's like loads of pipes go into one, but they're all different. But they all come together for the same end, and that's what I love. It doesn't matter what the church looks like. It's what's going on in the heart of the church. It's how that heart beats to bring in the kingdom of God. So I'd encourage you this week to get that verse, print it out, put it on your phone, stick it on your fridge, do whatever you do to bring scripture to your attention. And meditate on it in this coming week. And let us as Oasis grasp something of God's eternal purpose for us as a church as we look forward to a glorious and a wonderful future. Thank you ever so much for listening. Anything I've said that you don't agree with, please come and let me know. I don't have all the answers. I don't pretend to have all the answers, but we can explore this stuff together, so let's do that. If you want copies of my notes, so you can look up the scriptures or, or make paper airplanes or whatever you want to do, let me know. Um, you can do that yep that would be great that would be brilliant um, some people have asked me for copies of, of, of all the sets of notes um, if anyone wants those I've printed off half a dozen copies here so you can come and grab them afterwards or I can email them to you or whatever so that's, that's all three all three preachers there together but thank you ever so much for listening and for engaging with that really appreciated it thank you